September 14, 2013. It's a Watt from Pedro's show.
Watch for Pedro show. Uh, happy middle of September. Not at the Love Grotto. No brother Matt around. But it ain't man alone either. I'm here in my pad in Pedro. But join me. Uh, well, let's say what we played. We started off with um, John Coltrane with Thelonious Monk doing a, a Crepuscule with Nelly, a retake number six. Hey, and, did you know that Crepuscule means twilight? In French. Yeah. Yeah. So he was probably on tour over there. <laughs> Maybe his wife. Never know. Nelly. Uh, Mademoiselle. I know it, it's in between the his two tenures in the quintet with Miles. Because Monk was backstage with Miles sock train in the gut for nodding on stage and eating boogers. Wow. And you shouldn't have done that, Miles. And he took him in the band for nine months, but that's when he quits the shit and comes back, works for Miles again, and then goes on his own band. So it's kind of... Monk did, uh, I think, was important in Train's life at that point. They'd ask, I, I got an interview with them when they asked, what, what about him getting up and dancing around? He said, yeah, I heard about that. Who got up and danced around? Monk used to do this. Really? Yeah, but wow. Train said he couldn't comment really. He heard about it, but he never saw because he's busy soloing in them parts. Get lost in it. Then we had ORG by Sawako and um, Infragreen, the title song from the new album from the Insect Servers, and Mr. Uh, the skipper of the Insect Servers, Mr. Dave um, Arnon here. Mr. Dave Arnson, that's me. Arnson. Uh-huh, son of Arn. Right, maybe a uh, Scandinavian name. It's actually Ellis Island. It was originally Sklarski, but when they came over from the little Jewish shtetl in uh, Lithuania, they said, who's this? Oh, Eastern Europe. Oh, this is George, Aaron's son. Okay, Arnson, next. So. You got confused with the Scandi. Yeah, what can you do? Yeah, but that's all right. Yeah, it's Baltic. It's all Baltic. It's Baltic. It's all Euro. Yeah, man. It's all... It's Continental. It's all dangling from the whim of the immigration officer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, um, yeah, that was Infra Green. That last cut, uh, that was kind of our. Actually, that was. We just heard three minutes. The original jam was eight minutes long, but it was too long to fit. So, but there yeah. is a whaler on the album, the radar. Oh yeah, the radar road on the record is nine and a half minutes. Yeah. And actually, what we did, that's, uh, I like to joke, it's our ham-fisted version of Peter Gunn, and we got all these uh, other famous surf guitarists to put a one-minute lead on it. So we spliced it all in over the rhythm track. Whoa. So it's got uh, Paul Johnson from the Bel Airs and uh, uh, Jim Thomas from the Merman from San Francisco yeah, sure. and uh, Guy Ferenc Dabroni from Playa del Mar. And at the very end, uh, the... King of Fuzz Guitar, Davey Allen. Davey yeah, Allen the Arrows. Arrows. Yeah, used to do biker movie soundtracks. I met some cats in Spain who've got a surf band. We'll get into this later because they even got one of their songs. And that was that guy was one of the big influences. Yeah, that's he, why I started Insect here. Surfers. Is that right? He was here, though, because I remember Minutemen playing with him. Yeah, he's still doing it. Is he SoCal? Yeah. Okay, because I thought... I thought we played with them. I just remember the name. Uh-huh. And maybe Music Machine Gig or something like that in, uh, on Pico in West L.A. I remember that place. Uh, can we start from the beginning? Yeah, should we start uh, from the beginning again? No. Oh, okay. Like, <laughs> when did you first consciously remember hearing music? Oh, well, my parents uh, were... Was it D.C.? Yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I was born in New York. I grew up in D.C., from age 6 to 26, so I consider myself being from D.C., but uh, for a few years before that, 
like I say, I lived in New York City and Nashville and New Haven, Connecticut. But my parents were Nashville, Connecticut. Uh, yeah, Nashville, Connecticut. Yeah, New Haven, Connecticut, and <laughs> <laughs> Nashville, Tennessee. Like for just like a couple years at a time. Yeah. But uh, you know, my parents were really into music. Uh, they were folkies, actually. So I grew up. Did they play? Uh, my dad played some acoustic guitar. He would uh, play stuff like what, for me going to sleep as a three-year-old and stuff. So that's your first music, yeah? Because uh-huh. your pop playing for you, yeah. And then when I was uh, about six years, five or six years old, the Beatles came out and the babysitter brought Beatles records by. My parents liked them, so my parents bought all the Beatles records. So, uh, you know, I got exposed to the Beatles and uh, also... But you didn't buy it, they bought it. No, they bought it, yeah. I was, so it was kind of a foist. I was a tyke, yeah. Kind of a foist. Yeah. No stones. No, I had no to who. discover the Stones by myself later on. My mom said... No kinks, no. No, my, my mother said, Oh, the Stones, they're so ugly. They look like Cro-Magnons. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. I guess there really was a war. The way I looked at it was like, everybody else liked the Beatles. That's why I could. Right. <laughs> so many people liked them. I, it was hard to find anybody who didn't like them. Yeah. They were the big daddies. Uh, we got another tune here. I mean, we'll get more into the story, but... That's this El Diablo Habanero. Oh, yes. That's uh, uh, El Diablo Habanero. It's kind of, uh, you know, the, uh, Latino. The devil yeah, The devil habanero pepper, yeah. Which, um, and actually... Which is from Habana, because it's a... Chili's and Mexicans eat that's not from there. It's actually from Cuba, and the name is Havana. Oh, town. thank you. I'm writing but it down. In the Caribbean, the England people call it Scotch bonnet. That's right, that's right, yeah. And they got a lot of Scoville, if you know anything uh, about Yes, the, the Scoville uh, uh, Index, <laughs> so the heat unit for peppers. Too. Is it Scoville? I think it's Scoville. Okay. Yeah, you know, like green pepper is zero. And then, Bell pepper, right. Yeah, and then it goes up, you know. Jalapeno 3000. Yeah. I like, their first, like, I like their first album, Jalapeno 3000. <laughs> And I guess Red Scavina Habanero, 650,000. But there's something from India called uh, the Ghost Chili that's amazing. Yeah, and there's another one called the Tepin, T-E-P-I-N. Yeah. It's like the size of a peppercorn, and it's supposed to be like a nuclear it's blast. It's too. Yeah. But El, actually, El Diablo Habanero, you'll appreciate this. It's kind of a, a minor, like D minor to E minor yeah. riff. And to be honest with you, you would understand this. It's actually so I could do a solo like Buck Dharma does on the Subhuman oh, by wow. Blue Oyster Cult yeah, yeah. because it's like the same kind of minor riff. And that's actually my like uh, weird twisted version of Blue Oyster Cult Subhuman is that yeah, song. The best sounded mix on the On Your Feet or On Your Knees live album, which is so muddy, but Subhuman sounds great. Right. And in fact... Um, Mr. Know Lanier, a, you know, passed away two weeks oh, ago. Oh, yeah, I know. Who's doing the synth on that tune. Yeah. But I know you're a BOC fan. I was a yeah, big, huge fan. I bought everything they did, you know. And well, let's listen to this, and then we'll get back to the, the post-Beatle part of your journey.
you to your knees You don't call the shots for me Or any other of my kind So step right off and shut your mouth And open up your mind A man's got to do What a man's got to do A man's got to do What a man's got to do I like the natural things in life Like honey dripping from a knife I'm a Gemini and I ain't shy I like to fly so take me high A man's got to do What a man's got to do A man's Truly 
Watt from Pedro Show. Uh, we started off that chunk with Intersect Surfers with El Diablo Habanero. Then something from the new Stooges album called Dirty Deal. And then Frightwig got back together in San Francisco Lady Band with Eric Drew Feldman producing and a tune called A Man's Gotta Do What a Man's Gotta Do. And finally, Maeve Mills with Stalagmites and Satellites. Maeve Mills was playing bass for Chumbawamba and they came to Pedro in the early 90s and Dose got to do some gigs with them. And opening So he's a Brit. Uh, from Leeds, the okay. New York part. And... Uh, Opening up was Eve Libertine and her son Nemo on guitar, uh, who was from the Crass Lady singing. Uh, this bunch yeah, of damn commies, yeah, or, or anarchists, or anyway. commune people, yeah, right? commune. Probably would have to be difficult uh, living Soviet style. Somebody told me some of them went on to do Teletubbies. Wow, one guy's a, uh, Steve Ingram, the singer man, is a volunteer fireman. From Crass or Chumbawamba? Crass. Wow, that's pretty subversive. I think the Chumbawamba guys just broke up. Uh-huh. But Maeve's tenure was a little before he's a great cat. He came to my gig when I was up in Sheffield uh, with the Italian guys. He's been sending me to this new thing he's doing. But somebody told me it's not where you're from. It's where you're at. But I want to get where you're from. I like so let's that. continue with your story here. Uh You've had the Beatles foisted on you as a boy. You've had <laughs> this uh, acoustic guitar music helping you get conk at night. Right. And when do you start to take things into your own hands? Um, let's see. Well, I started playing guitar, I think, when I was about 14 or so. Because I really, I was at a party in junior high school and there was this girl playing Joni Mitchell songs or something like that or folk. And I said, I want to play Jimi Hendrix Easy Rider that was one of my favorite songs at the time and you know I, folk music's okay but I'd rather you know, I want to do rock and roll and actually it's funny because the Jimi Hendrix song Easy Rider is not even two but it's three overdubbed guitars on it so it's really physically impossible for anybody <laughs> to play but so that kind of gave me the boost so I just started teaching myself guitar and you're at this party, and what, you just announced this to the rest of the... Did you grab the guitar from her? No, but okay. I had a huge cartoon thought balloon, you know, that would have filled up the room. But it was internal. Yeah, it was internal. You didn't I don't want to hear this folk oh, music. Okay, I want to okay. play Jimi Hendrix. So you didn't yeah. make a scene. She wasn't No. soiled. It was a giant thought <laughs> balloon. So I finally took matters in my own hands, and I told my parents I wanted to play guitar, and they bought an acoustic guitar for me. And I took like a couple lessons and basically just learned how to tune it. And then I taught myself from looking at chord patterns in books. Yeah. And Alfred's. Yeah, and easy I had guitar. I had a friend show me stuff. And then I realized I really like bass guitar too. So within the next year, I took bass guitar lessons for a few months, and that taught me like how to you had play bass? scales. Yeah, I still do. I love playing bass. Yeah. No, but you got a bass right around when you got this acoustic guitar. Uh, well, I got an electric guitar first. I saved up all summer and bought uh, my my summer job in high school, and then I in like September I bought uh, a red 1961 Gibson SG at this store for like 200 bucks, and you know now they're worth like 3,000. If somebody <laughs> stole it, I could never afford to buy it back. You know. Is it the same one you're still playing? Yeah. Wow. It's the same one, yeah. And it has what a tremolo bar on it. Sure. Because I really like the tremolo bar, whammy bar. Yeah, yeah. You know. 
Gives you that extra mileage per note. Uh, 61, I think. That's just when they started calling them that because they were like Les Pauls for a couple years. Right. They, I think, were originally called Les Pauls. Then they were called, uh, uh, it was like an SG Special. I think, uh, and then uh, SG, let's see, Special, SG... Uh, but it had soaps? Something. Yeah, soap bar pickups, oh, so P90s. What, 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 what kind of amp? Oh, well, actually, at first, I, I couldn't afford to buy an amp, so I just so played just out of my it, parents' right? uh, stereo. Stereo, yeah. And, they you probably know, dug that. Yeah, it was pretty cool. And then, actually, <laughs> we had headphones, you know, and I learned the headphones were such small speakers that I could do feedback out of them. And I remember actually uh, uh, melting <laughs> the. The headphones with feedback, you know, got really wow. hot, and they had little dials for volume, and I melted the the, 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 the knobs because I was feeding back, like, right, right. you know. It's like, you know, it's too much weight for high school to take. technology, yeah. So, you like Jimmy, but surf? When did surf come in the picture? Well... Uh, when I was, uh, again, really around the same time as my parents were listening to the Beatles, they also bought the Beach Boys Surfing USA album, oh. which is an interesting record. It's the only one they put out out of 12 songs. Five of them are instrumentals. Yeah. So that was my first exposure to California. In, yeah, instrumental California Fender surf sound. music. Yeah. And it, you know, it stuck with me. And uh, my dad also bought a, a record by the Kickstands, which was a, a Usher Christian. Uh, it was like a fake studio band, and it was like Beach Boys music with all motorcycle lyrics, because my dad used to ride a motorcycle. Okay. So there was well, a bunch of instrumentals Beach, on that, too. I think the Beach Boys at that time were using studio people. Like, I think on bass was Carol Kay. They used um, Glenn Campbell on guitar on some of yeah. the stuff, but they, they played about half of the stuff themselves. Okay, I, mean, they I know were, they did gigs, and Brian even did bass at first. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the instrumentals on Surfing USA, they pretty much played about half of it themselves and I think they had half of it studio but they were competent enough so they could do some stuff by themselves what about this uh, Plankton Dance uh, Plankton Dance that's like our ska song uh, rhythm and uh, I really like marine biology so uh, I, I'm sort of like a frustrated marine biologist I, I dropped out of high school to do insect I mean not high school college uh, to do insect surfers, but I was, because uh, it took off real fast, but for about two and a half years, I was studying marine biology. Okay. So a lot of our songs have marine biology titles, like Tiger Shark and Plankton Dance and Sea Scorpion and uh, um, Insect Surfer, for that sure, matter. Sure. Actually, you know. from, from the new album, Infragreen, here's a Plankton Dance. Plankton Dance.
From Pedro Show. Uh, yep, Plankton Dance started that off. Then we heard The Chronics with I Throw My Life Away. Then something uh, new from Chrome. Remember that? Love Chrome. Helios Creed. Yeah. Uh, Housewarming Party. Uh, Icarus Line with No Money Music. Moist Boys with Medusa. I think that might be Mickey uh, the Weenster. Weencats. I think they're gone now. This is his new thing. Mount Banana's got a new album, and then Red Eyed from that. Dirty Beaches with Avoir, Mon Visage, and Howie Reeve with Stocks and Stems. He's a bass man from Scotland. And likes these acoustic basses that aren't stand up. Oh, you mean they look like a giant acoustic guitar, yeah. those guys? Yeah, yeah, those are cool. They're trippy. Do you own one, Mr. Mike Watt? No. I did, and I donated it. Oh, okay. Uh, let's see. Uh, How about other uh, large, uh, like, acoustic bases? Yeah. Uh, for a single, a little project called Little Pit, it was really tough. Like, if somebody, like, held a gun to your head, you could play a stand-up bass? I could, but yeah. it's tough. Yeah. It's, uh, you want to go sideways. It's like a giant violin without a chin part. It's really difficult. Right. It's not like a bass guitar. Right. In fact, that's why Leo called his invention of precision because it had frets oh, even though okay. they had basses right, I'm taking notes again they yeah. had them in mandolin orchestras tuned in fourths with frets wow. but everybody gives credit to Leo and he had buddies who had to tour in station wagons he used to have to tie those things to the roof yeah, I was country just and jazz guys yeah I was just reading about uh, Hank Williams and that's what they had to do like they had you know the Base the doghouse, the, the bull it. fiddle, you know, like strapped on the roof. Or yeah, so Leo thought put a, his electric guitar on steroids, put a uh, foam rubber and stuff to mute it, and might sound like a stand-up and not bogart all the room. You know, we're at the end of the first hour of the September fourteenth edition of What from Pedro show. Uh, guest Dave Arnson. Hey, aloha. Yeah. The apparent Scandy guy. <laughs> we'll be back with more. So hold tight for hour two. I think we're in the same relative peer group. I was born in 58. I'm 57. Right. See? We saw the same commercials growing up. Wow. England's here. Uh, September 14, 2013. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro show. <laughs>
Oh, the rich people want what the poor people's got. And the poor people want what the rich people's got. And the skinny people want what the fat people's got. And the fat people want what the skinny people's got. You can never please anybody in this world. You can never please anybody in this world. The sure people want what the tall people's got. And the tall people want what the short people's got. The little kids want what the big kids got. And the big kids want what the little kids got. You can never please anybody in this world. You can never please anybody in this The girls with short hair want long hair, and the girls with long hair want short hair, and the boys with cars want motorcycles, and the boys with motorcycles want cars. You can never please anybody. You can never please anybody in this world. It doesn't matter what you do, it doesn't matter what you say, there will always be one who wants things the opposite. It doesn't matter where you go, it doesn't matter who you see, there will always be someone who disagrees. We do our best, we try to please, but we like the rest whenever we need. Oh, the rich people want what the poor people's got. And the poor people want what the rich people's got. And the skinny people want what the fat people's got. And the fat people want what the skinny people's got. You can never please anybody in this world. You can never please anybody. You can never please anybody. We do our best to try to please, but we're like the rest. You won't.
Show started off the second hour with insect surfers off their new album doing a tune called Kitsune, which means fox in Japanese. Uh, then we had some buddies of mine from Tokyo called Light doing Echolation from their no Echolocation from their new album. And then we heard Philosophy of the World, but it's a cover, it's not the uh, it's shags. Not the shags. <laughs> by Big Legs. Yeah, I remember hearing that. I first heard that album at SST. Dezo played it for me. That's he, a classic. He, he was, I think he had just joined. Who's Dezo? Uh, Des Cadena. He's, oh, okay. He's, uh, he's just started singing for Black Flag. Uh, Chavo just left at that time. His daddy booked some a lot of gigs uh, with jazz. He produced some albums too, like the Savoy... Uh, tapes of John Coltrane. Wow. Used to book The Lighthouse. It's a lifer. Yeah, Ozzy Cadena, great cat. Dezo's out on the road right now with Dukowski and Billy doing Flag and Keith. Uh, Greg's out with Chavo doing Black Flag. So both are torn. Uh, then we heard I Guess I Give a Fuck by Rod Bryan. He's from Arkansas. And then Joe Dean, he was on the show last week and he played a song that he did. And he gave me a version without the guitar solo in the middle. And so he said, will you do this version to make up for that? So from last week. It's like karaoke. <laughs> Leaves, Worms, and Birds, the later version. The, the version, the correct one with the guitar solo in the middle. And then finally, The Magic Man by The Tree Man. He's a Scottish cat. Have you seen him? No, uh-uh. uh He's supposedly, uh, well, some people dubbed him the angriest guitarist in the world. And he, <laughs> he you know, blows clams while he's recording and just goes off. And <laughs> he's playing acoustic, beats the shit out of it. And, you know, like, actually kind of an epiphany of man's folly in a way, all wrapped up in his trying to get good recordings. And he's actually beautiful. So he's, he, no, like, makes mistakes while he's recording and doesn't care and, and just cusses and, about and, it? Rah! Yeah, and, and, and not self-conscious about this. Like, yeah. oh, I'm putting this on. People are watching me do this. Yeah, He's just, you know, man's got to do what a man's got to do. And uh, so 
you get this old Gibson, you're listening to some uh, surf stuff from your pop. When do you put together your first band? Well, um, I, I used to really, I, I used to like, you know, like Rolling Stones and Jimi Hendrix and Moth Hoople and Pink Floyd and Blue Oyster Cult and Jeff Beck and kind of, you know, the old classic stuff. And then <clears throat> I remember uh, when I was in high school, um, Patti Smith came out and she, her whole thing was like, you know, you'd go see her and you're like, oh, the kids, the kids, make music for the kids. And she yeah. wasn't really a kid. But no. She kind of like was exhorting people to do it for themselves. And then yeah. the next year, the Ramones came out. Yeah. And it was like, wow, here's these guys and they know four chords. Everyone says three, but we know it was really four, yeah, four. you know. Uh, and it was like they were just making music out of nothing, like just the basics, you know, and pulling it off. And that was so inspiring to me. And so, like, well, well, maybe I should do a band. And so, um, and you know, and also like the Runaways were coming out, and uh, you got Talking Heads. It was all starting to, in television. You're starting to percolate, and so I said, well, I want to do a band that is has surf music in it, but is maybe kind of like a science fiction element to it you know like I want something that sounds as cool as wire but it's maybe as fun as the B-52s so um, oh yeah and, that guitar yeah and so I was studying yeah, for yeah. A, a marine biology exam at University of Maryland and I drew a picture on the margin of an insect surfing just out of nowhere and I said oh yeah like insect surfers that would uh, that's what I my band should be because it would it's from like a cartoon I drew, so I just I got together. I remember with some, there was a science fiction movie that Dee Bloom really liked called Them. Oh, Them with giant ants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Because bugs figured in a lot of those B movies. Oh yeah, nuclear irradiated. Yeah, so, some. And so insect surface is kind of an oxymoron because there are no marine insects. There are no insects that actually live in salt water. So it was kind of. Uh, what about them, Brian? Shrimp shrimp. Well, they're arthropods, not insects, okay. you know. But there's a larva stage where they're kind of like flies. Yeah, they kind of look weird, yeah. Because up Salt Lake, that's all that lives in that lake. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's that got mono odor lake, to too, it. yeah. And so, anyway, by the t- I, I, I did it, you know, in high school it was starting to gel, and then in college I, uh, you know, came up with insect surfers. Then I got together with my friends, uh, and we just started doing, uh, you know, sort of weird surfy tinged music it, it wasn't all instrumental it was about half instrumental and half vocals and uh, we had a keyboard player that we met in line to see the premiere of Alien and There's a side when that came out there. yeah so uh, off the new album here you got this tune Pineapple Skies Pineapple Skies yeah we're gonna play that next what can you tell me uh, that's just kind of um, uh, sort of a classic surf and has some dual lead action at the end which is sort of a trademark of insect surfers usually the first verse I'll play a lead and the second verse the other guy will we bounce it back and forth and usually by the end we play it together so yeah well here we go
Flipside Reader. Before reading my letter, I'd like you to take a look at the Naked Aggression interview in September 1948. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's the one with the gel of the afternoon. I'll tell you for sure, but the one I've got is missing the cover. In mid-September of 95, a friend and I took over the promo of a Naked Aggression show. We took on this financial responsibility in hopes of stirring up Joplin, Missouri's stagnant punk scene while bringing in some relatively fresh ideas and faces. So I was given the number of their manager and told to call her. This struck me as funny. A DIY punk band had a manager. Oh well, I thought. Maybe this was the way bands did shit. I was from a small town and this was the first show I'd ever put on. So I called her. I must admit, I was pretty intimidated. I was getting ready to talk to a woman who booked bands like the Queers in seven seconds. The first time I called her, I got a machine. But finally, I got to speak to a human. She seemed nice. A little too business-like for me, but I dealt with it. We agreed to a guarantee of $200. Set the date at Wednesday, October 25th, and a door cover of $4 at the door. I proceeded to do promo. I ran off 1,700 flyers for about 50 bucks. I got the money from selling our band's tickets. I hoped to make the money back. Silly me. While my partner ran off 12 11 by 17 inch full color posters for about $25. We then made promo packs, and each pack had 200 flyers and a poster. We put them together and sent one to KC, Springfield, Lawrence, Tulsa, Wichita, and Faithville. That and long distance phone calls took my total cost to about $100. The fans we booked were Brother Inferior from Tulsa, Black Label from Lawrence, and our band, The Richards. We decided to hold the show at a place called The Dead Cowboy. Since we were running a tight budget, the fans were playing with naked aggression. They only wanted gas money. The club wanted $100, no more, no less. This brought our total cost up to $250. This was when we started to run into problems. The club the show was at was an old metalhead collective type thing, if you can imagine that. The guy who ran the place didn't have a license, and so dealt with the local picks regularly. The last show our band had played had gotten shut down. This problem we solved with true punk rock ingenuity. Instead of putting on the flyer $4 at the door, we put $4 mandatory donation at the door. I don't know about elsewhere, but Joplin, you can't charge people at the door unless you have a business license. But since we're Americans, we have the right to gather. So we gathered while charging mandatory donations. We only put these special flyers at the Joplin, about 500 flyers, while the rest that were sent said $4 at the door. Then problem number two arose. Black Label canceled on me because of band politics. So I got another band, Psycho Babbit. Logic also came. I didn't know where else Naked Aggression was playing in the Midwest. So again, I called Marge, the manager. I updated her on the progress of the show and asked her about a list of tour locations. She didn't say anything about the list, but seemed skeptical about the number of bands playing and about the club situation. I reassured her about everything, and she told me Naked Aggression wanted 50% of all profits in Africa. I agreed to this with a little hesitation and relayed my problem to her. She gave me Mighty's number and told me to call her. When I talked to Kirsten, she seemed pretty interested. I had sent them a promo pack for a band and I confirmed the show. She thought that was a pleasant surprise and asked me about Joplin. She was kind of worried about the cops and Red Nets there and told me to run in naked aggression pack selling their book. I told her they had a problem and then told her about the incident Gigi Allen had when he showed up here. I also thought that the crowd would be relatively larger than usual because of the amount of promo. Overall, she was very nice and seemed very excited about playing down here. When I got off the phone, I felt very excited about playing the show. The next two weeks went pretty smooth. We expected about 200 people on a weekday night for the show. This was good. We only needed 122 people to break even. Factoring in a sound man and naked aggression's cost, my total was $490. As far as I was concerned, we were doing our job remarkably well. At about 3.30 p.m. on October 18th, I received a phone call. It was Margie. She told me that naked aggression was canceling because one of the band members had asthma. How convenient, a week before the show. We didn't talk long. She had a lot of errands to do. So did I. I made the 30 minutes of phone calls necessary to cancel the show. Everyone was pissed. 
So now what? Well, in theater, there's a saying that goes well with punk rock. The show must go on. I booked Brother Inferior as the headlining band. They wanted an extra $45 in snake aggression. This brought my total down to $335. Since I was broke, I spread the change in plans by word of mouth around town. On the night of the show, about 70 paying people showed up. Actually, 110, but the rest were either broke or on the guest list. Just to support the local scene. I lost about $90 on this little venture, but I didn't mind because it was my choice to keep the show going. But in the end, it was a great turnout for a weeknight punk show in Joplin. I had a blast. By the following Thursday, I was back on the phone trying to get in touch with Kirsten. When I called, some guy answered. He told me Kirsten was out on tour. I told him I had booked him, but the manager told me they canceled the rest of their dates. He told me that they just took a vacation for a week. I ended up leaving a message to the effect that because of their little vacation, they had lost about 30 fans. And the coffee was playing until this day she hasn't called. Now, I'm not trying to start shit up. I'm just voicing a common problem that has arisen with the business-like MTV hustling, money-loving mentality of fans. What happened to the common bond and understanding the difficulties of putting on a show yourself? What happened to the appreciation? What happened to the battle cry, fuck corporate rock? No, wait, I got another one that's not so obvious. Fuck bureaucratic rock. This sickening display of bureaucratic ritualism defined as a preoccupation with organizational rules and regulations to the point of supporting the group's goals is what punk rock, so I thought, was against. Kirsten, I hope this is not your fault. I hope you had little to do with this. All I want is an explanation and an apology. It's about two months since the show, and I get to hear from you. I wasted my time, my band's resources, to get you a crowd of guarantee and your manager her precious money. I wouldn't have minded dishing out the cash if you had showed up, or even called yourself, but you didn't, and I still missed out. Thanks, guys. If I'm wrong, you can call me with an apology for wasting my time. The way I see it, Naked Aggression didn't show up to play in Joplin because Margie found them a better offer somewhere else. That's why Margie didn't give me a list of other locations because she didn't want to face the problems if she backed out on me. She didn't want me hunting the band down. All these East and West Coast big wig punks tell us to get off our asses and do something. But when we do get off our ass, we get shit on by these people. Fuck that. I live in the Midwest where the only time we get decent shows is when a band goes out of its way to play here. The rest of the time is spent with local bands. But people hear that they are in smaller cities and they roll their eyes. Fuck that. It takes a lot of balls to be the way we are in these orifices of ignorance where every day you're getting threatened or beat up by redneck jocks or Bible thumbers. You at least have a place to hide. In Joplin, there is no place to hide. Down here, it's against the law to be ugly. Can you believe that? The goddamn cops can arrest you for being a freak. And the fans from the East and West will tell you to do something for the scene, cancel on you. Most people out there have said, fuck it, not me. I say, fuck the mainstream punk rock. I'm concentrating on the Midwest scene. Old school all the way, baby. If you want to play out here, call me. But right now, I'm not dealing with fucking managers and I'm not dealing with fucking guarantees. You fuckers are just going to have to trust me. I'm sick of our part of the world getting ignored. We exist and we fucking care. We're sick of getting pissed on by money-grabbing DIY punk fans, rock star assholes, or out-of-town know-it-all punk rockers. Fuck that. As far as you're concerned, if you live in this part of the community, you've had this happen to you. You want to play one of our shows or you just want to know more about the Midwest Underground, call or write me at Dan Johnston, 528 North Pearl, Joplin, Missouri, 64801, 1-417-623-5663.
Watch for Pedro show. Pineapple Sky started that chunk off. And chunk of surfers. pineapple. That's right. Big chunk from new album, Infragreen. And then uh, something new from Yoko Ono, Plastic Ono Band, New York Noodle Town. Eating out from the new peer group record that's 30 years old. That's the Missing New Alliance record. Didn't know what happened to, but found it. It's now out on uh, Water Under the Bridge Records. Uh... Robots by Stoma after that. A Saito Koji with uh, Dog Koji. I'm sorry, Saito Koji. With Dog. Free Drum Trail. Something new from King Champion Sounds. Pontius Pilot Heart by Bob Pollard. Portlandium from Spielgush with Richard Meltzer. Speaking of Blue Oyster Cult. That's right. Dear Flipside, Thurston and the Tube Tops. And finally, Dark, uh, Space Park Drive by Insect Surfers. Yeah, that has some fun, uh, a good noise solo in the middle of it. Yeah. Where we, uh, you know... Uh, the other guy. Tell me about the other the guy. Other guy. Michael Abraham. He's yeah. uh, an amazing guitarist. Uh, we've had some lineup changes the past few years. That's why it took us 10 years to put this Infragreen record out. But we found him uh, about a year and a half ago. He moved here from San Francisco and um, it's so hard to find an, another musician. And all, everybody in L.A. who's doing like the kind of surf sound is already in a band. So yeah. we're really having a hard time. And so uh, our bass player volunteered to man the Craigslist, you know, which, you know, like, that's the worst to sort through. You know, you get, like, people just saying, well, I just want to play. You know, like, what are you into? I don't care. I just want to, you know. But like anyway, the old recycler. Do you remember the recycler? Yeah, the recycler was where you'd always used to find musicians. You know, but I got was... all my cars, all my amps, all my bases. Yeah, I bought my first Fender from Durf Scratch via the recycler. Exactly. That was would the you, free would, would free say, LA publication. It was would you like say a it's kind of like Craigslist. Uh, kind of. Yeah, okay. yeah. But anyway, so it, it just turned out that this guy had moved here from San Francisco, and he had a, a surf band in San Francisco called Space Blaster. But meanwhile, he's also like this jazz guy who plays with uh, Stanley Clark's violin player, some Danish guy. So he's like grossly overqualified to play with us. I mean, he's got crazy mad chops, you know. But he's really into surf music and he gets it. So he, okay. it's been do doing really great. Michael Abraham. He's Michael awesome. Abraham. Yeah. Drumming? Uh, drumming we have uh, on this record Jeff Utterback, who's played with... Uh, a lot of different local surf bands from Huntington Cads to he was our drummer actually 14 years ago and so uh, he's, he's rejoined yeah he rejoins and he's played with uh, the Surfaris you know filled in with them sure. he's played with a lot of people Pipe Out yeah yeah everybody when I went to high school everybody did that at lunchtime on the benches with the knuckles <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great he, he wasn't in the original thing, but he played with them. Yes, exactly. Okay. And then uh, on bass, we have uh, Jean-Paul Balak, B-A-L-A-K. Yeah. And uh, he's played with some bands called the Boardwalkers, and uh, he, he plays with a lot of people, but primarily us. Oh, he also plays in a, a unit called the Tikiaki Orchestra that does all the kind of, you know, Martin Denny, Les Baxter, sure. Exotica stuff. Bad. Really, like a, it's like an eight-piece band. But he's a great bass player, and he has a podcast radio show, too, on uh, Luxuria Radio called Fiberglass Jungle and uh, he's just started with a European uh, surf podcast called North Sea Radio so he's uh, you know a mover and a shaker but he's a great musician too well bass players you know 
They're like glue. If they got nothing to stick to, they're just a puddle. We're at the end of the second hour, September 14, 2013 edition of the Watt for Pedro show. Hold tight for hour three. Boop. When you go to um, the Redwood today, yeah, uh, are you playing with Tom Watson? No, it's with it's... Pete and Jer, my Pedro guy, who okay. I'm Sherman guy, second man. Uh-huh. Uh, September 14, 2013, third hour of the Watt for Pedro show.
Watch for Pedro Show. Open up third hour with some more insect surfer music off the new album in for Green. We heard Delmarva. Delaware, Maryland, Virginia. That's what it stands for, Delmarva. That's where Link Ray used to live. Uh, over you know what? There's a bridge. Chesapeake Bay Bridge. That has some tunnels. I mean, it's not just one bridge. Yeah, it's massive. Yeah. But uh, Link Ray used to live on the Delmarva Peninsula. So that song is kind of our tribute Dewey to Link Beach, Ray. Dewey Beach, I think I played, which is on that peninsula oh, yeah, where yeah, frat sure. boys go yeah. or something. Dewey Beach and Rehoboth Beach and Bethany Beach. I played Beach. there too. There, yeah. yeah. There's someplace Dog Headfish Brewery or something. It's trippy... Uh, Existence there. Yeah, it's all the Delmar. It's kind of beach. <laughs> so is yeah. uh, New Jersey. You know, believe it or not. It's, yeah, it's a little beach thing there too. It's not just California. Oh yeah. In fact, that's beach going way back. <laughs> Pilgrim Day Beach. Right. You know, and these little towns have been there forever, and a lot of them beat up over the years, cycles of bad weather. And yeah, my favorite beach on the East Coast is the Outer Banks in North Carolina. Sure. That's where the Wright brothers did their Kitty Hawk. Yeah, ride. yeah. The, uh, that's that's my favorite place to surf on the East Coast. The best waves, and there's miles and miles of national seashore there, so you can go miles and miles and not see anybody. So. Yeah, because I heard Outer Banks are trying to conduit up some of it. They're always trying, but you know they're the, same with that Delaware stuff. Uh huh. Oh, get trace. down. That's a leash. I put Love Spring on. Hey, all right. But we're going to do radio show. After uh, Delmarva, we had uh, Tunnel Love from the Born Losers. Now, they're a Spanish um, surf band. And I want to get into this. But uh, uh, then we had Death. Do you remember them from Detroit? There's a demo of theirs called Views. They were all black, right? That's right. Yeah. Right. Uh, Monomania from Deer Hunter, new album. And Rupert Murdoch is a Sensitive Man by Sl- Slender Lois. Uh, what do you think about surf kind of like hardcore being a universal? I mean, it can come from any country and it still shares. Yeah, well, there is kind of like a lingua franca, you yeah. know, of like basic surf instrumentals that everybody knows, you know, right. like Pipeline, Wipeout, Miserloo, um, Penetration, Latinia, Mr. Moto. Jack the Rip, yeah, Mr. Moto, Jack the Ripper, Link Ray. But uh, actually, right now, oh, I think right. some of the most exciting surf music is coming out of uh, Europe. In fact, we just uh, did five weeks in Europe this summer. Yeah. And uh, we got to play with some really great European bands um, like uh, the Kilauea's in um, Germany and the Phantom Four, who used to be called the Treble Spankers in uh, Amsterdam, and Pirato Ketchup in Belgium. And uh, I I know that one of my favorite uh, international surf bands, uh, Los Coronas, is from Spain. They're from Spain as well as uh, those other guys, and it's great. And you can find surf, yeah, it's all over the world. It's like a, it is a kind of a universal language. And plus, you know, the main thing, you know, there's no vocals. Yeah. So uh, there's no language problem. Yeah, there's no language problem. You don't have a guy trying to figure out the lyrics. Speaking and, about foreign language, what's this par avion? Was this airmail? Oh yeah, par a- a- airmail. Actually, you know what? That cut. Um, that's by that was by. Uh, a 1981 instrumental band from Portland, Oregon, called Pell Mell. Yeah, and uh, Ray Farrell. Yeah, and they had to have Ray Steve Farrell's Fisk. Ray a good friend of mine who was managing them. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I think a Minutemen played at the Annie Club with them. I saw them at the Annie Club. Yeah, and uh, great band. They went yeah. through a couple personnel 
changes. Like the guy who started the band left, yeah. in fact, I think. But the drummer was the same all the way through. They're an incredible band. So we wanted to, you know, revive. give a tribute. Yeah, give them tribute. Well, so here, here's, here's respect for Pell Mell. Originally by Pell Mell. And interpreted an interpretation from Insect Surfers. <laughs>
which like I, I joke with like yeah well I chose you know the commercially suicidal angle but it's you know so but the music I just find so satisfying you know yeah I don't, don't worry about it yeah that's what was punk was for to, to validate that tune uh, a lot for Pedro show we uh, yeah heard Power Avion tribute to Pell Mell uh, their original and interpreted new album Infragreen then we heard Dear Mr. Policeman by Pink Turds in Space I think they're a Dutch band PTS. No, they were a Belfast band. <laughs> oh, Belfast. Ah, the Gara. Yeah. And then uh, the, age, the Ageless of Reason Of by Tollum Electric's King, King Drum Overdrive with Sarah Loon from Unwound. Yeah, that's... You keep up, Mike. I got to give you credit, man. You, you keep up with some uh, pretty uh, awesome stuff. And then uh, the Paranoid Critical Revolution with Blind and Violent. They used to be instrumental, but they just got to sing it. And finally, Stefano Palia with some instrumental for you. Stand Thanks, Behind man. the Men Behind the Wire. Stefano Palia, the guitar man, and Sonia de Manaya, which is the two Italian guys I played with. Oh, okay. Uh, what about those guys that you started off with back east? Um, some of them are uh, still playing some music. Um, but nobody wa- nobody wanted to relocate. No, uh, by you know I started the band in uh, summer of '79, and uh, it went you know a couple personal changes all the way through '85, uh, and then I moved. It, we'd kind of gone as far as we could go, and I decided to relocate to Los Angeles and just start it up again from scratch. Why'd so, you pick this town? Well, it seemed to be like. Uh, it had the highest gene pool of people who understood surf music, okay. you know. So that's why I went to LA. And also, I was figuring maybe there's some small labels like maybe like uh, Enigma or something that would understand instrumentals music. Of course, nobody did when I came out here, but that's okay. I, I, you you know, had I really to find like, out for yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's really about the music, basically. Yeah. You know, and I met some great people to play music with, and um, but uh, it was really fun playing in DC. The thing, you know, with Insect Surfers starting in 79, we used to play a place in the uh, Adams Morgan district called Madams, Oregon. And a lot of uh, bands got started there. Like every week you'd go there, there'd be a new band. It was like a yippie commune in this brownstone. But they liked punk music. Yeah. And so, you know, we used to play with Bad Brains all the time. I remember, you know, going to Haagen-Dazs and seeing Henry Rollins, you know, and he still had a little hat on. Like, hey, Dave, how's it going, you know? Before he was in a band, even um, he might have that little hat. He collects a lot of stuff. <laughs> even too, these guys. I don't know if he has me, a hat anymore. He flew out to Seoul to see the Stooges in Korea. Wow! He told me he's got every letter that Ian's ever sent him, even ones his ma sent. Wow! These Where guys, do you put it? He yeah. might have that little hat. You never know. Look, what, what about this Bay of Bengal? Oh, Bay of Bengal is, is about India. Yeah, it's. Uh, Usually, I when I write an instrumental, most of the time I come up with the music first. Then I have to fit a title to it, which is your one shot at the lyric when you're writing an instrumental. Yeah. You know, that's the lyric is that's the title. Backward. I always start with titles. Right. So I, some of the things I start with titles. But Bay of Bengal, it was sort of like uh, a little bit of a Eastern riff, and at the very, very end, uh, it goes da na na and that kind of. I actually got that riff from the. Beatles within without you, you know the George Harrison. There's a riff from there, and I put that in, kind of, so that makes it the Indian Bay of Bengal thing. And maybe his little connect with his uh, 
Maharishi or Oh yeah, right. <laughs> Transcendental meditation. Yeah. Okay, let's listen to that.
answer argument. Glimmer isn't best served. Venture. Apology. Glimmer reason best served. Venture. Intimidation.
Walk from Pedro Show. Okay, our last bunch of music. We start off with the Bay of Bengal from Insect Surfers. Then we had something from New, uh, New Terra Melos album. Uh, you know them? They're Sacktown. Uh-uh. Guys in their 20s. Uh, and their tune, Surf Nazis. You ever hear this tune? No. Well, when hardcore started, like HB, for instance, Huntington Beach, uh, uh, like Mugger, right? He went to work for SST and shit. Um, yeah, they put swastikas on their surfboards because surfer people used to beat them up for, like haircut war. Like you have the wrong haircut and we're going to beat you up so uh, we're going to fight you back or something. Something I never got really involved in. I remember Hollywood people thinking we were all the same as people south of Hollywood. We were all on the same beach and Hermosa, San Pedro, Huntington, yeah, all the same. And they didn't know we knew nothing about these other people. We met the Black Flag guys. They were handing out flyers for their second gig. It was in Pedro at a team post here. And they couldn't believe there was a Pedro punk band, so they asked us to open. But that's how we met them. We didn't... Hermosa is about 15, 16 miles. But so you're kind of in a little bit of a vacuum uh, being in Pedro. That's all I knew. Uh-huh. When I came here when I was 10, I came from Virginia. I'm close to where you're from. But uh, that's all I knew. When you fly over SoCal, it looks like one town, but you know living here, it's balkanized up the yang. People only know their neighborhoods. Right. So, uh, yeah. But you were just telling me uh, uh, right before we went on the air, like you, when Minutemen would play and uh, you were educated by like what a lot of the Hollywood punk bands sound like as opposed to where it finally metamorphized into more of a hardcore thing. Yeah, well, that's what ended up being the audience. Yeah. You know, nobody else was going to gigs. But yeah, they informed us on it. That and the records we get from England. Mm-hmm. That's that of London Records here in Long Beach. But they they never played. So the live people we saw was the Germs, the Dills, Alley Cats, X, uh-huh. stuff like Weirdos, uh, Nervous Gender. Uh, some bands without even a guitar, like uh, scre- uh, Screamers. Uh-huh, wow. Uh, yeah, punk was like... Anything. Well, D. Boone, there's a famous quote from Punk is anything we made. Right. There was uh, literally no rules. It was, And they let us, because I got into music just to be with him, they let us do that in front of people. Right. So. We just played the other week with um, a band that got together after 14 years, Pop Defect. Right. And I used to describe, you know, like to my friends, I really like Pop Defect because they reminded me when Punk and New Wave were still the same thing, you know? Because it was just, for a while. Just semantic. Yeah. Just, uh, look, if. A young cat came up to you and asked you for advice about the, the music racket. You know, what would you tell? Well, uh-huh. I usually have two things. If somebody asks me about gu- playing guitar, which is number one, don't keep it in the case. Keep it on your bed or on a chair so you can always grab it when yeah. you have an idea. Yeah. And number two, jump around first, play later. Because anyone can play, but it, I, I like it better when people kind of you know boogie around, jump yeah. up and down, yeah. dance around, you know, show some energy, G-G show Allen. that you're not gazing at your shoes. G.G. Allen type <laughs> thing. But and I guess I guess he's East Coast originally too. Oh right, just overall in music, I guess just yeah. stick to your original idea because it's probably the best. You know, don't let people change it. Just you believe are the works in progress. Well, we just finished this Infragreen CD uh, pretty recently, so uh, no immediate works in progress. Okay. Although a British label just asked us to do, believe it or not, a Rolling Stones cover, 
this one label had uh, surf instrumental bands do David Bowie covers uh, last year, which what we did. What are you going to pick? Well, I wanted to do Panic in Detroit because it has kind of a surf riff. No, I mean for the Stones. Oh, uh, we did Speed of Life for Bowie. The Stones, okay. I don't know. I'm still, I'm like huge Stones fan and I've been, I'm trying to figure out what is going to be the best one to convert into surf because, I mean, for one thing, you've got 40 years of tunes to pick from. And uh, I know another band already picked uh, Paint It Black and uh, another band picked 2,000 Light Years From Home, which have sort of, you know, I know 19th Nervous Breakdown at the end, it goes, here comes in 19th Nervous, you know, this is kind of a surf riff. But Mr. Dale. I don't know. We'll figure it out. I'll let you know. I want to thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for uh, caring. And, uh, I'm going to bring you on again so you can jam with Brother Matt and the spin cycle and you get to go down to Love Grotto. But for this and to celebrate your new album, In for Green, thank you so much. Ten years in the making. Yeah, thanks so much, Mike. I had a great time and your music taste is uh, awesome. And, uh, you know, you don't suck as a person. I love it when that happens. <laughs> it's September 14th, 2000. Thank you much, Dave. 2013 edition of Waffle Pedro Show. Everybody, keep your... Powder dry.